everyone. Welcome back to the Yoast SEO podcast, where we talk to well, my friends and people from the in, from the SEO industry and other industries around it to um, see what they have to say and what we can learn from them. And today we bring a longtime industry friend, Perna Virji, and I. I, I'm usually relatively good with names, but this name I never get truly right. Um, she works for LinkedIn now, but she has a long history. So welcome and thank you for being here, Perna. Oh, thank you for having me, Yost. It's very exciting to be here. Very good. Um, well, as I said, you have a long history in the industry. Can you take us along a bit in what what you've done in the uh, in the search industry over the years? Yes, absolutely. I've been here like almost two decades at this point. Um, started off as a journalist, uh, worked in TV, and then made the move over to a PR agency, um, which was sort of okay. I quickly realized that, you know, just traditional PR is not that exciting for me. But luckily, my best friend in London was working for AOL at the time, and they were like super huge and was telling me about this thing called SEO. And um, long story short, I created a sort of business plan and went to my CEO at the time being like, we should do this thing called SEO and we should do this thing called AdWords. And uh, luckily he listened to me because, you know, when you're like in your early 20s and you're young and stupid and then they were like, yeah, sure, I'll go do this like insane thing. But I, I did it. I learned. I loved it. I followed people like yourself, like Rand and, you know, it was I love this industry. I fell in love with the people of the industry. I'm like, this is home. This is where I want to be. And so since then, I've worked agency side. I've worked in-house. I've worked for a search engine. And now I'm working for a social media network. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think I've done every job. Yeah. You've literally <laughs> had them all. Yeah. And um, you've also worked on both sides of the field. So you've done both paid search and SEO. But whereas usual, most people are do one or the other, right? I know, like when I started out, I always joke, I said I was bisexual because it was so easy, you know, comparatively to how it is now to do both. It was There was far less levers of complexity and everything that we could do. So when I started by default at the agency, I had to do both. I had to do this. AdWords was the only one. Microsoft ads didn't exist at that time. And so I started off with AdWords and SEO, like at the time that you could submit to like DMAs, you could, you know, throw a few keywords and optimize your title tag. And you're like, good, this is excellent. So it was easier. I try to do both because I still have a passion for both and like content and psychology and understanding what makes people tick. Like that's what lights my bones on fire and makes me really happy. And I could do that in both SEO and PPC. But then once I started at Microsoft, then I literally had to choose and I went down the PPC path. Yeah. So we lost you for the SEO world. That's a bit sad in many ways. I, oh, we now always, I'm back. Yeah, but now you're <laughs> back. Yeah. It's because um, SEOs, old time SEOs especially, joke about PPC a lot because we call it checkbook SEO and things like that because it is so much easier in many ways to to well to get a spot it's also a lot costlier in the long run usually but um it it does have well there there are a lot of things i think that the seo world can still learn from the ppc world 
um, and that we don't do very well. So I think it was you that talked about trying headlines in PPC and then using them for SEO. Um, exactly. There's so much we can learn from each other. And I think we're so much more alike than people think. Uh, having done both, I can honestly say it and keeping a little foot in both as well. But with paid, it's almost guaranteed, like you said, you know, you pay enough, you'll get the spot, you can choose your keywords, you have more autonomy. With SEO, you have more reach, you can sort of tend to the seeds and it's free. But yeah, I love this. Like if you want to test out different ideas for for your title tags, because ultimately the title tags are for humans, right? It's to encourage click-throughs, yeah. you know, put them in PPC because you can have a guaranteed timeline, you know, you can boost your own impressions, get you to statistical significance, um, you know, on your own terms and then do that there. By the same token, if you have created like some amazing content for some of your outreach efforts for SEO, give it to paid. We can drive traffic back through remarketing campaigns. We can seed it. We can get more eyeballs on it quickly so you can get that. So there's just, there's so much cohesion and I, I want more people to do work together. <laughs> yeah. For, to, for, to, well, and it's also, it, it, it is very funny because in the end, of course, it's always about, um, what people search for. Uh, so it's always, it ties back to keywords. So you have to do keyword research for both. And one of the things that strikes me is that I think actually the, on the PPC side, they do a lot more keyword research than people do on the SEO side. It's like on the SEO side, you do it once and then you don't do it any, anymore for like five years and then a new agency comes in and does it again. Whereas on the PPC side, it's much more of a continuous process. It has to be because like levels of competition shifts, you'll get, uh, you know, on both Google AdWords and Microsoft Ads have something called auction insights report that you can see which advertisers are coming in, going out. Like I always recommend SEOs look at that report as well, because it's very interesting to see how the landscape is shifting. But no, we... I think because you're paying for every single click, sometimes table stakes are higher and you want to prove that, am I still putting my money in the right direction? Yeah. So um, you just joined LinkedIn. Um, what are you doing there? Um, well, yes, yeah, so I'm just, I'm barely three months into LinkedIn and it's an, I'm so happy to be here. It's an amazing company. And I feel really, really fortunate to, to be here. Well, my role is, it's actually like my dream job, like I get to sit and understand what makes people tick, you know, how can we create content and overall content strategies that not just cuts through the clutter, but can really connect and engage with humans, because that's the whole point of all of that. Uh, so I get to do a lot of research into that and create like advice and I go and conduct workshops for some of our key clients and empower others to use you know, to discover this power that content has across everything, whether it's organic, paid, social like content, you need to have a holistic strategy. And then your advertising is a subset, your SEO is a subset, but how do they all work together? And is, are there any tips you can already give us? Is there stuff on LinkedIn that nobody's doing that we should be doing? <laughs> Well, there's lots of really good things that can work. I would say the number one thing is to <clears throat> identify your white space. Like, where can you stand out? 
very often you'll talk to a company and be like, okay, what's, what makes you different, special? And they're like, oh, uh, we are this pioneer in, in IT. I'm like, great. What do you want to talk about in terms of content? Like, what's your like key zone? Like, if we want to talk about IT solutions, I'm like, wow, that's so crowded, right? Everyone's talking about this. Like, how do you go and find your niche? Like, how do you find the subset? It's like finding that balance where there's enough, just like keyword research, isn't it? It's like, where is, is there enough volume, but the, there's not that much noise so you can stand out. So to find that forest, uh, come up with your overall like sort of strategy, like create an overall editorial calendar is something I feel like people don't do that enough. Um, you want to start by thinking what are your like big heavyweight efforts that you're going to put in in a year and then how can you sort of remake so pull from them re, you know put them in a different format and reuse them for your smaller campaigns and then how are you always on you know very often i think a mistake especially paid people do is we tend to think about campaigns and like these small bursts we'll do like oh here's a three-month campaign or here's like something two months and then we'll switch but research has found that having something that's ongoing actually gives you far more a higher overall click-through rate and clicks than just something smaller. So I would say think about always on and leverage different formats, like look at videos, look at lives, you know, engage in groups, you know, use hashtags, like all of these things can help amplify your efforts. Okay, cool. And how do you measure that? What, what would you, how would you measure the effectiveness of such a campaign when you're doing that on LinkedIn? It really varies at the stage of the funnel. Like, yes, of course, you want to get your engagement, like your clicks, impressions, all of that, but also try to look at like share of voice. Like, are you dominating? Like, are you able to trend in certain areas that you are? Um, you know, what is your engagement rate on your posts? Um, how many are you driving like post-click conversion? So essentially, whether it's cost per lead or cost per acquisition, it's, you know, all of your usual engagement metrics would be there, but you also want to tie in your share voice uh, to that as well. Well, one of the things we always find is that um, if we look at, for instance, email or, or well, I think it's it goes for a lot of the, uh, a lot of the different online ways of approaching people that you basically are always under reporting uh, because if you don't do the email you see uh, we see a lot less transactions and only some of those emails are or those transactions are actually tied to the email and i think that goes for literally every campaign i've ever seen so it's it's one of the things that i that i struggle with where in in all of digital marketing we think that we can report on everything and at the same time, we're always under-reporting. Have you ever found a way of dealing with that or, or, or of, uh, well, at least selling it properly to your boss? <laughs> you know, that is, isn't this like the multi-billion dollar question? Like everyone's looking at like proper attribution and ideally each, it's not the like, it's not as linear as we like to think it is like, oh, they did a, they did a search on Bing, they, then they visited LinkedIn, then they did a Facebook search and they saw it. It's not, it's like this plate of spaghetti. And this research actually from Google and Forrester that says that people will consume like 13 pieces of content, you know, before they even reach out to a company. Like they, they do a lot of the research beforehand. So are you putting out the right content that spans like the multiple points of view that people are 
where they are in their decision journey, you know, whether they are the awareness or consideration stage or anything like that. I mean, people are consuming loads of content every single day. So get there and get connected because people will find you, whether it is through social media or any other place. So you need to have it um, regardless. So it's not a question of should I just do email or should I stop doing email and this? So you, we do have to be in the few key places, but of course, you know, concentrate your investments on the places where you do see those good returns. And within your mix, you'll sort of find out that, oh, when I add in X, it actually lifts everything. And if, it, if I take it away and it doesn't make a difference, then don't. Yeah. So it, 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 does that mean that the, the always on that you just talked about isn't isn't what we're saying with that also a bit? you that you have to build your brand and be and just be there and have people remember you all the time is isn't that part of why that always on works i it... yes 100 percent. and you know a lot of marketers here's a this stat like blew my mind like only four percent of marketers will track their campaigns beyond six months but most of the biggest lifts that come from like a brand focused campaign take place like after the six month mark. And if we are not measuring that, or, you know, most of the optimizations happen in like the first two or three weeks. So we're missing out so much. There is a big, you know, the ideal balance is about 50-50, which is your lower funnel, like activation, demand gen type content. And then the other about 50% roughly. So it's like, um, would be brand focused content like you need both and it's so important and i find like we are held to quotas we are held to performance we have to do like a quarterly report back half report with something the fiscal that it's too easy to fall into the trap of let me just get the short-term thing done but if you don't pay attention to the longer term, like you're leaving so much money on the table, as well as those bigger opportunities, like brand activation, a stronger brand can have more leeway with pricing, they can attract better talent, uh, they can have lead to the longer term sales cycle, like all of this is there. In fact, the better known your brand is the the more likely somebody to even think of you. Like right now, if I was looking for a cloud product, I would, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, those would be the companies that come to mind if I'm thinking about cloud. If I'm thinking about a cool plugin for WordPress, Yoast would come to mind. You know, it's like that brand name availability, how do you get there? And that yeah. is through brand. So thank you for, for saying that. So yeah, branding is one of those things that we at Joseph I've always really liked. I mean, within the first few people we hired, we had our uh, our illustrator who we still employ, Erwin, uh, who makes all of our avatars, and um, Maika, who does all of our branding. They're actually uh, a couple as well, so it's uh, a really good thing. They no, I work. <laughs> no, they, yeah, they they work together very well, so it's awesome, and. Um, and, uh, and the funny thing is, um, that's just even the, the visual side of it, because it's all obviously a lot more. But um, I had this discussion a while ago where someone said, yeah, but branding campaigns, that's for really big companies only. And I'm like, is it that? Or do only companies that do branding campaigns become really big? And honestly, the more I think about that, the more I look at that, I'm like, there might be more into that than I've actually thought when I said it. 
Um, yeah, that's very profound. It is. It is. It is weird to uh, to look at uh, look at it that way. But if you look at the the companies in the last decade, and well, you, you've been around, I think, even longer than I have. As you said, two uh, two decades almost. I've been in the search industry for like fifteen years. Um, if you look at the companies that stuck, it's the companies that build a brand. It's almost nobody who chose a keyword domain and stuck around. <laughs> as it much as people like doing it. Yeah. Branding is so important and you don't have to be like a Fortune 500 company to focus on your branding efforts. Like ultimately, I don't think there's any company that is the only person who does what they do. Like, how do you make yourself stand out? Like whether I am a local mom and pop down the street competing with like two other local mom and pop stores, like you still need to stand out to earn as much business. And so by branding, people automatically think about those big TV commercials, you know, billboards, all of that. Sure, that helps and that's great for like the really big brands, but there's smaller things that anybody can do regardless of size. You know, I love looking at startups like Moz is such a great example. Like they were a startup, they were a, a new small company in a new industry like Rand and, you know, he founded it more so to build websites and then diversified into this, but they build such a strong brand by engaging their community, by putting out blog posts, by just offering help and advice for free. And like they became one of the strongest names. You know, if you, I think about WordPress plugins, like I can't think of any other name, like honestly, apart from yours, because you've got such a strong brand and it, that's the reason why you're there. You know, any company, like so, so many big companies came out in the last like 10 years and they became these big household names because they put in that time and the effort, you know, Think about branding in two ways. Like one is like individuals. So whether it is employees or execs at your brand who go out there and sort of speak. So, you know, Satya Nadella is somebody who comes to mind when you think of Microsoft because he's such a big presence on his own. Like Jeff Bezos is, you know, you think about him and Amazon, like they both have really big brands. Uh, and the same thing with the... With any company, you know, people, you'll have some figureheads and then you'll have like brand marketing. So uh, for the company on, on that side, you put out your research, your points of view uh, with the individuals, like they're sharing opinions, their thoughts, it's like in executive thought leadership, those would be different strategies to put out. And it can be something really simple. Like I love this tactic and yes, it's from like the president of IBM. So it is a big company, but what he does is Anyone could do that. He posts videos a couple of times a week, short videos on LinkedIn, where he talks about just amazing like leadership lessons that he's learned, whether he's sharing tips on how do you earn credibility or, you know, project planning and tips and, you know, mistakes to avoid. Like it's, you know, a few minutes long. It's so helpful. It's so aspirational. Like people will go in and follow him. And now then they'll think differently about IBM too from, from watching that. Yeah, so that is combining a personal page on LinkedIn with with a company profile in 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 a way. Is that something that um, is there? Is there tricks there that everybody could do other than well, as you just said, posting because he posts those on his personal profile or on the IBM uh, page. It's on his personal profile, but so you can have a company page on LinkedIn. So only a company can have a page for a personal, you have your own profile and you can choose that. But the admin of the page can choose to bring in uh, some of the content from 
key, key employees or you know around the company that they're putting it in. So yeah, whoever is working on the page, if they're seeing some of those posts, they can put it in there. And the cool thing with your the posts on the company page is you can even the organic posts you can really target and tailor. So you can the the best tip is, especially if you're like multi-region, multi-country, multi-language, is just have one, one page for your company, because then for every post, you can control the settings. So if I want to publish something that is going to be in French for the French market, then I can target it only to people in France or who speak French and things like that. So everything's kept cohesive in one place and you can build that. Um, the big thing I would say is just like consistency that like normally we recommend like post a couple of times a week and, and that can really help build up that engagement and momentum. That That's actually probably the same for almost every social network, right? I mean, I know it's the same for blogs in many ways too. I, mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't write regularly, then people don't expect new content to be there. So they can, they don't come as often. Um, but at the same time, it can be very hard to write content all the time and to, well, to actually say something new. Um, so how do you deal with that? Is there, is there a good way of coming up with new stuff all the time? Yeah. So like, firstly, Think it's not just about creation because you can also curate if there's interesting stuff you read like I always say like social media is in a way a form of a currency you come there because a you want to learn but you also want to be seen as helping others or being seen as you know intelligent or you know based on what you share or what you post you also want to build the value for your followers or your friends and, and yourself in the bargain so like what's going to make people engage and share. So think about those in the first place. Like what's really valuable? Like who's my audience? What are they looking for? Who are the different personas? And I don't mean personas by like, oh, this is Mary, age 30, who lives in London. Like I I, I don't agree with that. I think that that's a bit of a nonsense because that like, you're making it up yourself. But you know, what is their role? What are they dealing with? What's like a, almost like an empathy map to understand like, hey, this is the senior executive is very busy choosing from these, something quick, snappy will, will, might resonate. Um, so I would say think about that first, then look at the format and it doesn't have to be big, heavyweight, deep content all the time, you know, pull snippets, share something like I read this book, this appealed to me, you know, I learned this, I saw this, so, you know, um, a really cool thing to do is you know, people don't just share a news article, like share your point of view, like create the conversation. You're not, you're not, uh, you know, CNN or BBC, like take an article from there, but again, put your point of view, ask for the discussion, think about the format. Like there's really fun, clever ways that you can use social media to be social with people. Uh, I, one of my former colleagues, Jason Miller, he did something so clever with Anne Handley, who's, you know, the queen of content. He was, he, invited her to they did the series because like asking for a friend and it's so funny because like you know everyone wants to ask those tough questions but they don't want to be seen asking it themselves they were like hey Anne asking for a friend like how would you convince a reluctant CEO to do xyz it's just it's funny right it sort of stood out from the noise it's the same format of like an AMA but it was in a different way 
Yeah, it is. What you're saying about it doesn't have to be long is probably also one of the things that I'd like everyone to listen to. Because if we all stopped writing 1500 word pieces that actually only convey one point, you would make my life a lot easier. (laughs) There is so much content out there that's drawn out to be very long, because people think that's good for SEO or something. But uh, it doesn't always work like that. Same thing with those white papers, especially in the B2B industry. You see, like every brand's like, here's my very well researched, like 35 page long white paper. And then there's like a lead gen form behind it and take snippets from it, you know, share some of the key highlights, break it up. That also is a really cool way of having more content to fill, like pull something out there, even if you're an investment banking company. You know, do you in-depth research on how investing is changing over the last decade? Pull a stat from it. This is so interesting. Uh, Gartner tried to do that, and they saw a big win when they just posted some of the snippets of free research online, like even before the, the paywall, and they saw a really big lift in engagement. Cool. Um, so on LinkedIn, do you does that ever even get indexed? I don't know. I, I, I've not played enough with LinkedIn, honestly, to actually game it. But do can you find the, um, the posts that you share on LinkedIn in the search engines? You can in oh Bing, right? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I believe you can, but I haven't actually gone and tested it out. So I don't want to I, give you a wrong answer. I, I, I can test this myself, of course, because, well, I have search in front of me. Um, it's funny when I search for you. I, I genuinely use Bing because... Uh, so I haven't tested it in Google, but I mean, I, I've seen it when I've done it in Bing, but I also have a company search. So like Bing, Bing has that feature, right? It shows you stuff from within your company as well. So yeah. that's why I'm like, I don't know if this is just my unique point of view because I can find stuff. So that's why I'm yeah. going to caveat my answer. <laughs> that, is, yeah, that is funny in many ways. Um, it, 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 talking about branding, by the way, it, it is one of the things, Bing is now Microsoft Bing. They changed that um, just before you left, I think think or is that was that around the same time i don't know yeah it was literally like a week or so before i left yeah Um, did that feel bad or you were always on the microsoft advertising side of course so not really on the exactly so i was like the other side so they're completely different orgs within within the microsoft umbrella so like bing or microsoft bing now is a completely different org so i don't know i am not privy to some of their decisions why but you know i'm you know, I'm still a part of Microsoft at LinkedIn, and I'm a very proud Microsofty. So for me, I'm like, yes, like a shout it to the world that you know we're not just any search engine; we're a Microsoft search engine, and that carries the the weight of everything oh. behind it. So I don't know. I'm very. I drink the Kool Aid, yo. So I'm sorry. I'm very, very proud. I, I, I. Well, it's funny. I I've met a lot of Microsofties over the years, and um. It, Yeah, I can't say this without coming across a a bit too nice, but you're all too nice. And and most of them drink the Kool-Aid. So it's like there's a lot more Microsofties who drink the Kool-Aid than Googlers who drink the Kool-Aid usually. So, So you must be doing something right. Well, it's it's a, they're they're a really wonderful company, and it's you feel so inspired to get to work on a company that has done so many amazing things. And there's so yeah, much, they do. Yeah, you know, I love the the commitment to like customers, the trust, like all of that. Like yeah, 
I could and, go on for an hour and you don't want to hear that because it's <laughs> oh, I, well, maybe, we, maybe we do, but that's another podcast. <laughs> but, it, but, but it is funny because it is it, actually you, you can have an entire career within Microsoft and, and, and move from paid search to a search engine to a, a social network and you're all still within Microsoft. So that is cool. The only thing I'm, I'm just realizing is that you probably should be working towards the Xbox side at some point as well, because that's what's missing. That is true. And my son would, you know, right now my son's 14. So to him, I am the most embarrassing person on the planet. You know, that's, that's what we are. So maybe, maybe I'll score some good, like cool points if I ever work for Xbox in future. Yeah, I think that would work. Yeah, my, my so my eldest is 14 year, years old as well. So I, I know the feeling. Uh, <laughs> it. Um, the thing is, we don't get to walk outside right now. So I think right now he'd love to walk outside beside me because he, he just wants to be, wants to do fun stuff again. But no, otherwise, I I, I totally uh, I hear what you're saying. Um, so we've talked about strategy. We've talked about how to uh, people should be planning um, their uh, their content for for some time ahead. Would you say that um, everything you add, everything you write anywhere, should you post that to your LinkedIn uh, profile or should you be more specific? You should, like, why not? Like, if you're putting time and effort into creating something, like, share it on LinkedIn, just as you would, like, if you share it on Twitter or Facebook or any social network, like, put it on there. And, you know, like, the LinkedIn audience is, you know, they're, what sets them apart is I think it is this business professional network where people come there because they want to learn, they want to better themselves. You know, LinkedIn members tend to be uh, have more employed compared to other social networks. They tend to have higher levels of income. They tend to have more career mobility. Like they're more likely to want to seek out promotions, new career goals. And so if you can share content that can help them in that, like that's automatically gonna be a big win. So really, when you're thinking about LinkedIn, like put yourself in the mind of the member. They're there to find new perspectives. They're there to look for guidance on how to solve things that they may be dealing with. They're looking for just, you know, a new way of approaching a situation that they may not have considered before. So hitting that is great. And it is also still a social network. So don't shy away from, from personal stuff too. Like I find that that's been a misconception that, you know, oh, just be like suit and tie and formal. And that's not the case either. Like, you know, we are humans. And especially in the last year with this whole blurring of work and home and life, it's like, it's, you know, merged together more than ever. Like people want to see your whole self. You know, if you are a CEO of a company, like people don't just want to hear about you and what you're doing at the company. They want to hear about you, your goals, your aspirations. How did you get to where you are? Like, what are you reading? What are you learning? Like this, you know, what are you, what bugs you? What's, you know, what are those lessons that you've learned? You know, are you being vulnerable? Like, where are you coming from? Like all these things resonate really well too. So don't be afraid to balance that out. And and balance is is key there, right? Because uh, if if you don't share too many baby pictures, you'll you'll lose your your business followers, I guess. But 
Yes, of course. Well, exactly. It's like you just know what people are tend to look for. So, of course, people want to celebrate. Like if you've, you know, had a new baby, you've got a new puppy. If you've, you know, had a big, you know, milestone in your life, don't hesitate from posting it. Uh, but also, yes, you're right. I mean, if it's everything you're posting is just baby pictures, you never know. It could appeal to like a smaller segment. But if you're looking for that broader <laughs> reach and appeal, do that. Assuming you're not selling baby clothing, because then it might actually be very appropriate. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you're selling baby clothing, then that would be a good use, which I'm so glad you talked about that too, because people assume that LinkedIn is just B2B, but it's not. Like B2C is also a really good use uh, of LinkedIn too. There, well, there's a lot of people on there. It's what I what I'm noticing more and more is that the engagement that we get on LinkedIn is actually uh, on some posts better than on other social networks, which is which is something that was surprised me honestly. I it it in the past it didn't use it didn't always used to get that much engagement for us, but it, but it seems to be doing fairly well um, in, in a lot of ways. Is that because of COVID? Have you seen a lot of growth because of that? Or was it always uh, this effective and were we just doing it wrong? No, I mean, it's been, we just definitely seen growth. And I would really attribute it just to the quality of the audience that like we have, we're over 700 million members. Uh, so it is, you know, they're all trying to be professional. Like I was saying, they have those stats for what they're looking for and they want to engage. They want to show themselves um, you know, in a certain way, they want to learn. So it comes down to that quality of the audience that helps make it resonate. But yeah, of course, I mean, during COVID, just the time on social networks has increased overall. I mean, the last year, LinkedIn has seen, you know, a good amount of growth, which I really attributed to to just proving to marketers like where they're getting their money's worth, right? Last year, especially strained budgets, it strained people's time, like teams were cut down. And I always say like, don't ask me or you, uh, uh, you know, is it going well? It's like, let's just look at the numbers and the story that they tell, like people moved around ad dollars, you know, LinkedIn was a big place that people chose to invest money in and because it, it works. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it, and because they uh, when money's tight, you you tend to want to uh, optimize a bit uh, more where you're spending it and want to target a bit better. Um, I've honestly not played with with advertising on LinkedIn myself. We have someone on, in the company who does that. Luckily, I don't look at it myself anymore. Um, but. It, is there something um, that you say, hey, if you if you're going to start with LinkedIn advertising uh, in any way, this is the first thing you should try? I would say that the biggest sort of hits that most members and customers of LinkedIn really gravitate towards and see success with comes down to two things, the sponsored content, like your posts, and then the audiences. And that sets LinkedIn apart. You can you can do a lot of your account-based targeting, account-based marketing on LinkedIn. You can reach people, who, you know, who work at a certain company, you know, companies over a certain size, certain like revenue. There, you know, plus your normal geo age, all of that in there. So if I was a bespoke suit 
maker, then I could target people who worked in industries that tended to wear a lot of suits like finance or legal or, you know, HR, you know, it's all of that. It makes it so much easier to tie down right to the correct person um, based on whether, you know, they having a job, what their title, all of that. Cool. So those two would be the number one. And then, but don't ignore, like there's lots of other different ad formats. Like there's the video is another, is really, um, has seen a lot of growth on LinkedIn too. Like a lot of engagement as well. People, our video ads tended to, people spent three times more time on video ads than they did consuming like static content. They also tend to see more like comments and engagement with the video ads too. So those there's different formats that, that you can play with. Cool. Um, one of the things I, I really like about LinkedIn when I'm looking at it is um, it, you tell people to do the stuff that other networks often, well, that work, but that they don't tell you. So the, the, the notify employees button when, when you're on your page. So you've posted something and there will be a, a button there that says notify employees to, so that you can get more impressions on your post because your employees are looking at it and just, the fact that you're not ashamed of saying, "Hey, if you do this, you'll get more, you'll get more views, and it'll do better." It's just, I love it. A network that's so open about how stuff works in many ways. Um, is that it's it's is that related to how? Because one, it's one of the things that we see with Bing. That Bing is always very open about how their uh, search engine works a lot more than Google who try to to keep it a bit more secret in many in many ways. Is that a Microsoft thing or is that just um, being the smaller network of the of all the, the things out there and, and trying to do it do another approach? What what what's the reason behind doing that? Do you know? Yeah, I would say like a that that was decisions that were made like that's way above my pay grade. But it just tends to be like if you think about the core philosophy, and we are we are the biggest professional network. Like LinkedIn is like there is, um, it, and the reason that we've grown is just on the the focus on the member experience and the trust and the connection that we want to have. Like you know, if you look at the values of LinkedIn, it's you know also like members first, collaboration, connection, and you know we. We live that and you see the products, everything tie back to that. Cool. Um, there's, I, I can go in so many directions, but what I keep thinking is when I look at this is I should probably play with, with LinkedIn so much more than we do. Is there, um, what is it that, that would you say if you go, if you go do as a company, you're you you've got to do LinkedIn, you've got to do Facebook, you've got maybe you have to do Twitter. It depends a bit on your audience, I guess. Um, is there anything where you say you, you have to spend time on on all of these, or would you focus more on one or two, or is that really dependent on who you are? I think it's literally a case of your mileage may vary depending on your goals and and what you're looking at, and plus. Um, your spend levels, all of that, like it really depends on, on you. But, you know, even if you're just doing an organic presence, 
it's still worthwhile to do that. I mean, there's a lot of things that are common across the social media networks. So if you build a high level content strategy, you can really then decide like, oh, I'll throw this here, I'll throw this here, or this is something I can push on multiple different areas. So think about something like stories, right? Every social network has stories and they're, you know, you can use them for work appropriate ways. Like, you know, if you think about it on LinkedIn, for example, sometimes you're like, oh, I really don't have like a really big point to make a whole new post about it. Like, I just want to share something quickly. Like I am sitting at a, at a quick event. Maybe I will share some quick behind the scenes or I'll share something I learned. Like, hey, I listened to friends of Yoast and now I've learned like these two cool things. Let me go and post a quick story because it is it's fleeting. It's there for a while. It's temporary, but it's still engaging. It's a different format. So I just and made a screenshot so that I could share I can share this in my story. I actually thought, hey, that might actually be a good idea. <laughs> it is. I'm so happy you did that. You can also do like LinkedIn Live. Like, you know, we all know like since the lockdown, like events have just, you know, they have been hit so hard, the in-person events, but a lot more people are turning into virtual events and you can make them really interesting. Again, live is a format that exists across different social media platforms. So if you want to invest the time once, you can scale it across. Um, you know, one of my favorite examples of a company that did use lives really well is from Johnson & Johnson. So they created now, most of us, if you think about live, it would be like a use like this. Like we're going to go on, we're going to do an interview, and then we're going to be done. It's one yeah. off. But what they did was so clever where they created almost like a TV documentary series called like Road to the Vaccine. And I'm, you know, TV series, quote unquote, because it was like episodic style content that they put up with a live. And then what they did was the week like right before each episode and right after each episode, like they would do a lot of engagement. So before they would remind people that, hey, we're going live, this is coming up, here's what we're talking about. Uh, then right after they'd send a recap, they'd send a follow-up. So it felt like a really well-produced marketing campaign that just leveraged a simple free format that anyone can use. So it's so clever. And this is what makes me really excited is like in this time of, terrible things happening like you know greatness like creativity will really thrive and come out of these really difficult times like i love seeing seeing that so that was a good example uh, of creativity yeah and 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 actually low budget high impact uh, in, in a way as well which is i i think one of the things that the people who and I'm I say that sitting here with my way too expensive setup to record <laughs> a, a a simple audio podcast, um, but yeah, it is very good to start on that low low budget thing and 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 work your way up from there because it's one of people always think that they need everything that that the the big guys have and the, and the, the big companies have, but you don't you you really don't need all that stuff, um, which is funny. In a way, um, I, we're we're reaching the end of what we can, the time we have to record all this. So I, I'm I'm unfortunately going to have to thank you, Perna, for being here, and and going to ask you to come back again in in well a year or so and discuss how you're doing at LinkedIn and what you've learned. Is that a good idea? I would love that. I would love to come back at any single time. That <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Um, 
and talk to you soon. And for everyone listening, um, you've been listening to the Yoast SEO podcast. Subscribe on any of your favorite uh, podcast trackers or whatever you call those things. Um, and see you next time. Bye-bye.